Ladies and gentlemen, it's one of Australia's greatest country music stars, Troy Casa Daily. <laughs> G'day, mate. Oh, wait, 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 we're supposed to Corona oh, Bump. That's right. I can't I don't know. reach you. <laughs> Damn it. How you going, mate? I've been well. Yeah, just um, just trying to keep my head above water with the songwriting thing. And I think with COVID being there and, and being a, a thing, it's going to be a hurdle for a little while. you just got to get creative. Surviving the pandemic. That's it. Surviving the dream. Hey, <laughs> mate, the dream has come true, hasn't it? Did you ever think being a little 11-year-old kid on the streets of Tamworth during the Country Music Festival that, that you'll be here signing a new deal with Sony and your, your, your career's at its peak? Well, I, I wouldn't have thought I would have been at my peak at all, to tell you the truth, at 50, you know? I, I thought to myself, I'll have, I'll have hard time. Are you 50? 50. What's your secret? There's no secret. Oil of Olay? Just old. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 I think. Do you meditate or something? No. I fish. <laughs> you fish. I fish. Yeah. I fish. I try yeah, fish do, a lot. You do fish a lot. You got like yeah, a yeah. canoe. I, I see yeah. on your Instagram, you post stuff with that. Well, it's, it's, it's a bit of mental health stuff, you know. You that's just that's a solo thing too, isn't it? Out in the yeah. canoe fishing by yourself. It is. Is that your like, release? You'll get away from the world. I think it is. If you can get a feed of fish, it's great. Because I used to do it as a kid. And, but if you're coming back and your head's clear, I've got a mate that does paddle boarding up at Redcliffe too. We normally go out That's for a bit of a paddle. Good, He's an good, old keyboard player, mate. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've learned a lot about mm. core strength with that and bad balance. Mm. <laughs> You've written a few songs about fishing, haven't you? Like one, was one about fishing licenses or something? Yeah. Or? There was a, one called Fisherman and there's one called River Boy. I mean, it's, it's been a bit of a theme in all my life really, mm. but it's been good to be able to, if I'm not going to work, I might as well sort of do everything I can around the house, but then go for a fish, you know? Yeah. So, do you do everything you can around the house, or is it all Laurel's job? No, or are you, I'm, I'm you're a cleaning lady. I'm, or? The, I'm the dish bitch and everything, <laughs> mate. I'm everything and uh, washing clothes. And you've got to pitch in. She's still working a normal job on yeah. radio. So while she's doing that, on KQ. Yeah, still on KQ. Twenty eight well, years. What a dead set legend. And she performs with you too sometimes. Yeah. Well, we, we've sung together since we first met. Yeah. And, and I think that's been a, a part of what's kept us together. It, like mm. glues you up when you play and perform mm. like that. And mm. So she's been business as usual, uh, gotten in there and done her job, and I'm just trying to keep the forward at home. Mm. Uh, my daughter's still at home, my son's out and about, and he's, he's doing his little radio gig as well at 98.9. Yeah, wow. So it's been good for him, and he learned a heap from Jamie Dunn on his way through. Yeah. So it was good for him to have a Jamie Dunn, years. aggro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what what a, legend. What so a great Jamie's teacher. doing the Saturday shows there now. That's right. Yeah, wow. Radio and the whole media industry is changing in a big way. So people like us, um, me, have to go here and do my own show in my little studio. And yeah. I, I think uh, it, it, the media landscape, so many of the big companies are, are downsizing and a lot of little little companies are more agile to move around and they're, they're getting a, a, a slice of the market. It's, it's a really exciting time for, for people doing their own thing. Look, I think, you know, it's part of this whole pandemic thing for me to be able to quieten down and think about where I want to be in the next 10 years, if mm. you're 50, you might as well think of something like, I'd, I'd like to start up some sort of a, uh, a program where you can get kids in to record for free, mm. you know, and, and make it accessible. Because a lot of kids can record at home, mm. but the worst thing is they can record at home. Yeah. They, they probably need to come to yeah. a studio where yeah. you've got an engineer who knows mm. what he's doing yeah. and, and give him a chance to just put down 10 songs in mm. a few days yeah. and, and not make it so um, expensive for him, you know. Mm. So I'd love to start something like that one day. It, it's better to have a producer and an engineer on your case and you're saying, come on, hurry up, get That's things right. done. That's Otherwise right. you get a, a little bit lazy, I, I suppose. Yeah, and you're also... If, if they're not not costing them an arm and a leg, they're not watching the clock either. Mm. So it'd be good to do that. Hey, so uh, your new album, your new deal with Sony, that, that's pretty damn exciting. You're, your look, old old mate from Sony, Dennis Handelin, signed you up again. How, and, how long since your first deal at Sony? Look, I, I think I signed there first of all in 94, 95. Mm. And I was around about 24. So half my life ago, I started with Sony. And thanks to Dennis... Um, I've run into him at all sorts of things. Like I might be drunk at the Arias and I've run into Dennis and Dennis is going, you know, anytime you want to come back, the door's always open. We left on great terms. He's you know? such a top bloke. He's just He's... incredible. And he, he always made me feel like I was family. Yeah. And that's the environment that I loved and mm. really understood there as well. Mm. And then it came time, I'd had 10 years with a company with Michael Gadinsky in Melbourne. Mm. And I thought it's time to change things up. And mm. Dennis put his deal on the table and said, I think we need you back at the family. And, and it, it was just fantastic to have an offer like that. And it feels like we're back home. Such a top bloke. I remember when my dad passed away, he was one of the first people who rang me up yeah. and, uh, and you know, offered his condolences. Because he, he started in the mail room at Sony Music in Brisbane. And I heard a rumour that he's, he's looking at moving the whole headquarters of Sony Australia to Queensland. 
Did I wouldn't you hear be surprised. That? Yeah, he's, he's, they're he's having a, a are they having a big launch, a big opening of a new facility here. Did you hear about that? No, I haven't heard yeah, about that. But I know. Anyway, you anyway. probably shouldn't have told me that one. <laughs> hey, so, what's this new album going to sound like? Well, what, what should we expect? Is it a bit more rocky? I heard, I heard you were looking for a big drum room to record in. Yeah, it's a bit more rocky. I think you know when when you're a country artist and people come to expect what they hear from you, you don't want to keep serving up the same stuff like mm. at a restaurant that you should diversify a bit more. Yeah, and go back and listen different. to the old album if they want that stuff. Well, that's right, and and I think. You really do. I recently lost my dad last year too, and it was like it was quite a tough time. And I think it made me analyse myself a little bit more too, songwriting wise. Mm. And it's been really interesting to see what comes of it. There's there's some songs that are quite sort of rocky and angrier than what I'd probably have done before. Mm. But I think that's probably just the COVID curse, you know, <laughs> having no shows. <laughs> I didn't know that about your dad. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a tough thing to go through. It, it, it know is, happened around the same time, as you know. And um, and I think that when when your dad's played a big part in your life, it mm. it, it leaves quite a hole. So mm. yeah, it's it's been exploring that stuff, and I've, I think I've used the music too to give me a bit mm. of uh, a bit of light at the end of the tunnel as well. So mm. there's there's a lot of things that I've written. I've got 20 songs. Yeah. And they're absolutely burning a hole in my pocket to record. Yeah. And I can't even get That's to... exciting. And my producer lives in Sydney. And so I, I really can't do anything about it until things sort of mm. settle down a little bit. How much but, of an influence was your dad on your music career? Because he had a Maltese background. He did, yeah. Right? yeah. He was born in Malta and got out here when he was eight. And um, he, he, you know, as, as an eight-year-old, he would have seen the bombings of his house yeah. and all sorts of stuff. So he loved to sing and play. And when, I, and he, when him and my mum broke up at an early age, he made all these efforts to make sure... He was a big part of my life, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and he was the one that ha- that played the guitar and sang me to sleep and stuff like that. You know, so oh, that's cool. What songs did he play? Oh, he just make them up. Yeah, really. He just made things on the spot. And so they, hence the uh, the songwriting ability that absolutely. You have. Yeah, I guess it comes from your father. And he's got he had a beautiful voice, you know, to listen to. And so I, I'm really indebted to Dad for a lot of those late nights where I was missing all my family back up in Grafton, mm. whereas he just put you to sleep with the guitar. And I, I did the same with our kids. They still talk about the tunes that I'd make up for them mm. and, and how soothing it was to look back on the times mm. when there was a guitar singing you to sleep. Was he the one that pushed you to go to the Cam- Tamworth Country Music Festival and play on the streets there? N- no, really. That was mum. Dad was sort of more old school, being an old school sort of Maltese guy and, and blue collar, you know. He said, oh, no, you got to get a real job. Don't worry about the music thing just yet, you know. That can be your plan B. Whereas mum had the big record collection of the country stuff at home. Mm. And that was the influence on me there. And then all of us, all my first cousins all played guitar. So we thought it'd be a great idea to go to Tamworth. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, I love it. And your mum's still around? How's she going? Yeah, mum's still going. And she's, uh, she's a little bit sort of sick with uh, emphysema. So she's got to be really careful mm. with this thing and not go to town. But she's in the middle of 90 acres, mate. Now She must be get... so proud of you. Oh, absolutely. Look, and, and you can hear it in every phone call, but... Mum's always are. I'm mm. sure yours is. I haven't seen your mum in oh, Yonks. Well, mum's moved to Tenderfield. Has she? Yeah, yeah. She's, she's a massive fan of yours. I mean, she used to host the country music show on Briz 31 here in Mate. Brisbane, and she was one of the heads of the, uh, the, uh, the fan club for a few country music artists over the years. I remember catching up with her again years and years ago yeah. and, and just really loving her passion for country oh, music. She's, oh, she's a true fan. Such a fan. Yeah. Definitely. So, you know, it was... It was Great that they are proud of where you end up in life, you know, and it's those phone calls, I think, that sometimes really help you through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So uh, you've obviously got this new album coming out. Uh, You're trying to find a place to record because you can't go down to to Byron because the borders are closed due to this pandemic. How hard is it to pull all this together during a pandemic? Because I guess there's a time frame right now, is there? Well, to be honest, Dennis and Sony know that under the circumstances, there's no time frame Mm. really just yet. I have to just wait for everything to settle down. Can you turn the air con off? It's like, I forgot to turn it off when we started. I would just wait for this plane. That's right. Oh, is it through the window here, is it? That's probably where it is. I can move, actually, if you want. I'll just move across this way. I think if you come a little bit closer there, Oh, it probably has, yeah. That's all right, mate. It'll match the, re- it'll match the rest of the lines. Hey, beautiful. Yeah. I took that in a Did you? Yeah. was there with uh, Doc Neeson from the Angels with doing doing shows for the troops and stuff. Oh, wow. Sorry, that just, that just threw me a bit. Yeah. Like... That's good again. So, Mike, are you going to another question? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, sort of, we sort of talked about the... Um, yeah. You know, 
So we're both uh, Balimba boys. You've That's been right. you've been here for a while. I've been living here for twenty years now. Yeah. Uh, born and born and bred in in Queensland. I see you driving around in the EH Holden. So hopefully Sony give you a little bit more money so you can get a good car. Well, I should try and update eventually. But now you could I, trade that in for a really nice Hyundai Gets. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think I, I serviced it the other day because I woke up feeling I had no purpose. You know, I can't do anything more about writing songs. I can't record a record. I might as well service the EH. And I said to my son, come over and have a look at how it's done. This is an old car. We'll drop the oil out. The oil looked like, you know, molasses that had been in there for a while. And it deserved a bit of pampering. And it was just great to sit there with my 21-year-old son and go, this is what we used to do when we had no money. Mm. And your filters were like $14, which they still are. And you can go and get a, a thing of oil for 40, 50 bucks mm. and you can drop it out yourself. So how much did that cost you all up? About $60 and you did it yourself? I think about 80 bucks because I bought some plugs. So I have a Jeep. Right. And I took it to the garage just down, down the road here in Belimba, who yep. I'm sure see a lot of people from around this area coming. Yep. $950 later oh. because the oil filter was a bit funny. So... Mate, it's it's incredible. I, I think it'd be a little bit easier if <laughs> I yeah. just had an old EH Holden. Where'd you get that thing? Well, I've had it. This is the fourth one I've owned, and yeah. I've been mad on EHs since I was a kid. And even, cool. when, even when I was living in Sydney, I had an old wagon that I drove around down mm. there, and that was always a buzz. But I've I've had them all, all my life. I've had this one for about 10, 13 years now. Yeah. And I bought it for twelve grand up yeah. at Caboolture. Yeah, well, you know, but that'd be worth like thirty now, probably. Or I've been offered thirty. Yeah, and and Laurel think that's it's the first thing I've ever bought that's actually appreciated, which is <laughs> which is really good. <laughs> no, that's a cool car. It's funny you see you're burning around town on that. Oh, look, it needs some work eventually, but you know the good thing is you can maintain it yourself. It's good fun. Yeah, yeah. is that the only car you got? You got a, no, I got a Prado as well. Oh yeah, and I've had that because you can chuck the kayak on it. I don't take this thing near the salt very often. Mm. I don't like. I mean, I used to surf in mine all the time, and it was always full of surfboards and also full of rust by the time I finish using it, you know. But I keep it away from the salt as much as I can. But we took it for a cruise down to Redland Bay mm. yesterday to see Laurel's mum, and mm. it just just feels good. Mm. It, it almost feels like you're 20 again. But you wouldn't want to go much further than Redland Bay. You wouldn't be driving to Tamworth for the Country Music Awards or anything like that. Not unless you? it was on the back of a tilt tray. <laughs> I'd probably take it down on that. Speaking <laughs> of at Tamworth, 37 golden guitars. Yeah. I think it, well, that's a lot. Yeah, it's pretty. That's huge. It sounds very like you're a guts, doesn't it? But yeah. I... My, I remember. I distinctly remember the first one when I was with Sony Music, and um, yeah. and Dennis was so beside himself that he had an artist that won a golden guitar because I, maybe I was one of the first artists they had that won one, and I was I was just pretty thrilled. And I didn't think it'd be the start of '37, but there's been a lot of records. Um, there's been a lot of different uh, co-writes with different artists that I used to have as heroes, like mm. Paul Kelly and and Don Walker, who now yeah. lives in Brisbane as well. Oh, Don uh, lives here, does he? Yeah, Amazing. I, I, you know I idolized them, idolized them as kids. Yeah, but I never thought he's still got his, his shirt on. Yeah, well, it's still going. He wrote all their hits. That's right. And I just really love the fact that you get to a position in your in your career where you've got a chance to actually collaborate with them now as well. And mm. and a lot of their influence has come through on a lot of the albums over the years too. What an incredible experience it must have been for you writing with two of Australia's greatest songwriters, Paul Kelly and <sighs> and Don Walker. Uh, what what are the different experiences uh, working with both of them? Do they do they write quickly? Do they take their time? Do they have a drink a bottle of scotch and then write their songs? So what, what's the process? Look, everyone's got their process. Uh, you know, even Ian Moss had been up to home here and had a bit of a ride as well. We we did it twice and and that was really cool because he loves writing fast because he because he plays quick yeah. I suppose and that's how he operates. But Don can sit and look at a page, a blank page. We did it we were sitting in a coffee shop in Kings Cross there one day just writing songs and I was staying at the motel across from his house and I said to Don, you can tell me it sucks. If it doesn't really fit in with what you want to write about, let me know it sucks, mate. We know each other well enough now. <laughs> yeah, that's good. He said, no, no, it doesn't suck. He said, I'm just thinking about what I'm going to write next and he was looking at the blank page. Apparently he drinks a lot of coffee. Oh, we both did. Yeah. About 20 short blacks and and then we're going, hey, so what's so next? This, this song only goes for 30 seconds. <laughs> okay, can we bring this into 220? <laughs> And it was, um, it was a real experience writing with him the first time because I didn't realise he contemplated lyrics that much. Yeah. Whereas Paul Kelly, we wrote just before the pandemic sort of hit everywhere and the first song was one we slaved over for two hours and then I played him a little motif that I recorded up at home here and he loved the, the melody with the harmonica and the electric guitar and he said, do you want to write another one? Because we've got time. Yeah. And I said, yeah, all right. Okay. I was only going back downtown for lunch or something. Yeah. And he, he wrote this thing with me. We sort of... Toot and fro, it would have taken 20 minutes hmm. and it was done. 
Do you ever have in the in the back of your mind the songs that that he's written over the years, like Flame Trees or Kaysan, and and just go, oh, I can't get those songs out of my head because I'm working with my idol and I'm trying to picture this new sort of sound and working with him. Is that it, hard? It well, it, it was hard. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. the start because I mean everyone's intimidated by heroes mm. you know but the first thing I thought of was first of all we we're both from Grafton we had this level playing field mm. and he knew a lot of my family and went to school with them mm. so he was more interested in that than writing a song when we first met which I was really happy with because I was so intimidated and he was always a local legend to us back home in Grafton so it was wonderful to sit down finally and, and break bread with him mm. and work on something and there was a song on one of their records called HQ 454 Munro, which I gave him all the, the car parts for. He said, you gave me the parts. He said, I put it together. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was a thrill to get a song on a chisel record. Yeah. You know, wow, I mean, growing cool. up in Grafton. Yeah. And then it was also a thrill to win a, I, I won a, like a songwriting award from APRA this year for the shutting down our town song for Jim. Because mm. he does his solo thing so well. And he wanted mm. a song about his first book. And I loved his first book. Mm. So I wrote a poem and then just sent it off to him and he loved the song and recorded mm. it. And mm. it, was, it was like a really big experience for me to get a song of another idol mm. to, you know, go ahead and record it. I want to uh, talk to you about your book, Things I Carry Around, and, and obviously the album as well. But uh, how was it working with Barnsley? It was incredible. I mean, Jim's a very generous bloke and, you know, he's so iconic. You forget how iconic he is until you walking through, you know, somewhere with him to go and get a sandwich and you just realise how many people just know him. <laughs> Fonty, it's can I get a selfie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he, he, he wears it well. Yeah, you know, some people wear it good and other people not so much, but Jim just, he's just got this beautiful humility, you know. And so I was actually going to go and use his studio to record this record until everything shut down. Yeah. So it might still be the case. If things open up maybe towards the end of the year. He's, he's got a studio that he runs down at Botany as well. Oh, yeah, cool. He doesn't live there, but, um, but the studio's amazing. Yeah, right. Have you ever heard his, oh, you would have heard his warm-up backstage before he oh, goes on? It's hilarious. It's like someone starting a car. Yeah. I've done a, a few corporate gigs over the years, and, and, and I'd have to introduce him on stage, and you just hear him like, ah! Oh, yeah. Just it's, screaming his head off. Some warm-up, isn't it? And, you know, I think that uh, he just really loves good melodies and things like that, so... I'm hopefully going to get a chance to, to write with him again via email. Mm. The, the last thing we did was something he sent. He wrote these lyrics down from his latest book that he's been working on. So I'm able to do that by distance, which is great. Yeah, that's And you cool. can just sit down and try something out and send it back. Yeah, he's done a few concept albums over the years, like, you know, Soul Deep and, uh, yeah. and a lot of the Soul Flesh Tracks. And Wood one. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and you're interested in, in uh, breaking away from what you normally do and doing some concept albums, like you, you mentioned before we got on, like a Merle Haggard or something like yeah, that. Yeah, look, I, I think it's just, just for peace of mind and for people to know where you come from. If you've got the time to record these things, Mike, you may as well. Yeah, I've exactly. got a little studio that's... Not so much different in size to this. Yeah. <laughs> and I Probably can... less plane noise. Oh, no, just as much. Just as much. <laughs> it was only around the corner. Yeah. I think I needed a little bit more <laughs> insulation. But what's going on with all the plane noises in Malimba? That's, that's a whole other, other podcast. Well, but... we can, you know, like Laurel says to me every evening that I, if I whinge about the plane, she goes, well, we can always go to Roma. You know? <laughs> exactly. And I said, all right, yes, I get your point. And if you want to live out in the bush... Um, feel free, but you've got to put up with city living, I suppose. Yeah, so uh, Barnsley's got a book uh, that's, that he's working on at the moment, but you've already released a book called yeah. Things I Carry Around with the, the album of the same title. That's right. Uh, yeah. what, what was that like for you, writing a book about yourself? Well, it started out as being, you know, I, I'm not much for talking about myself. It gets a bit dull. And I, I got okay, that's of, all we've got time for that's then. That's right. Uh, Thank you. And uh, the hard drive's full. <laughs> I just, you know, we it, went we went down to um, uh, Riverbend Books in Belimba, and they're yeah. sold out. And they looked online to see if they could order in a copy, and they said even the uh, the, the stockists are, are sold out as it's well. It's gone. Yeah. So yeah. so you're selling some copies. Well, we have sold some copies, and I, I think the the reason that I got bored with it is because you know I'd been over my life enough times. Mm. You know, when you think about the dysfunction of parents breaking up and all that stuff, who wants to relive all that? But then I got sort of half interested in it when. It got through the stages of your life where you're in bands and you're on the road and what you've learned. 
Mm. And I figured that some young musos might look at that and maybe take pieces of it mm. as either inspiration or stay away from that, you know? Yes. Yeah. We did some crazy things. Mm. Yeah, what's the reaction to the book been like? It's been great. Mm. I mean, it's a couple of years old, but it's, it's, it's actually, it still sells well through our website. We, we try and keep a bit of stock through the website. Yeah. And people always pull up and, um, and say, hey, listen, I read your book. I loved it. Or even neighbours that I've sort of semi-known have read the book too, and that felt a bit creepy. Anyone, anyone sort of shocked at what they read in there? Or oh, yeah. A lot of my friends. your wild in, party days? Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of my friends in Tamworth. I mean, there was drug smoking and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, who didn't? Yeah, well, now it's legal. Oh, what's, well, a sh- what's a shame is there's still people in jail for having a tiny little bit of it. Yeah. And it's legal now. Like, surely we can help out, you know, especially yeah. like uh, i got a friend, uh, Jesse Williams, who's uh, the, yep. the NFL player yep. uh, from Thursday Island. He's uh, been to two Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl. He's got a great story, but uh, he's putting together a, um, a documentary about uh, Indigenous incarceration at the moment. He was telling me that, you know, there's, there's some... Uh, in, indigenous kids have been in there since they were like 16 for like 10 years and they uh, for just having a tiny little bit of weed. Mate, there's a huge over-representation yeah. of Indigenous kids in jails and, yeah. and it's a big story, mm. big conversation yeah. and, and we, we all want to make sure that you give your kids the tools to get through that really, really bad time where they're going to get locked up and they're going to run with the wrong crowd or, or get into trouble at different times in their early teens and in their 20s. Mm. And it's a tough cycle to break, Mike, you know, mm. because you, you really do have intergenerational trauma. A lot of people don't understand what that's all about, but it's mm. a real thing. Yeah. There's a lot of resentment for the law mm. because of the history of this country. Mm. Are, we, are we getting better? Are we, are we moving forward? I think the new generation is trying to get better, but sometimes the old generation tend to pull you, pull you back with mm. things they say and things they do. and. Mm. And they should be leading by example. Yeah. Is that, is that just an education thing? Educating the, the older generation and, you know, helping, helping them understand, like, Indigenous history and, and yeah. why things are the way they are? Oh, look, I, I think that if, if people see Indigenous songlines as being important as Cook's maps, hmm. they might understand something and hmm. hold them both in high regard. Yeah. I mean, I've watched specials that Sam Neill did on, on Cook and things like that, just mm. to educate myself as an Indigenous bloke. Yeah. To get another side of the story. So if mm. ever I'm getting into some conversations, you know, mm. it needs to be educated from both sides of the fence. It can't mm. just be from mm. my parents and uh, my Indigenous family in Grafton. You have to be a little bit better read with these issues, you know. And yeah. and one thing I, I realised from that Cook thing was, yeah, look, I mean, he he did the wrong thing in certain countries mm. and he paid for it in Hawaii. Yep. You know, that's how it goes. Mm. And it's, it's been a wonderful education process for me mm. as a 50 year old mm. too, to go and teach yourself this stuff yeah. and then spruik about unity. Yeah. Both sides, telling both sides of the story. And I mean, something that, that annoyed me, uh, you know, the more that I've learned over the years, you know, reading books like uh, Dark Emu, which is oh, yeah. a, a record of, uh, you know, in, indigenous history told in, in a lot of ways from uh, some, some of the, uh, the diaries of the first settlers yeah. coming to Australia. And, and a lot of the misrepresentation that I've, I've been told over the years growing up as a kid and, you know, not, not being educated that there's, uh, you know, that, uh, like something like there's a, a 350 Indigenous states in Australia or probably more. I don't know exactly how many. Yeah, yeah. And, and from the, the top of Australia right down to, to Tasmania, there's, there's so many different cultures and so many different incredible cultural experiences that you could have if you explored those communities communities and, and learnt more about them. And I and uh, I know that Queensland Tourism are trying to make this year, 2020, the year of Indigenous tourism, a little bit hard with what's going on. Yeah, But, well, but I think it's got to start in schools. Would you agree where pe- people need to be educating kids about you know, Indigenous history and uh, you know, yeah. the, the culture of our, our amazing, the oldest, oldest race on earth? It's, it's got to start in schools. I mean, you know, to me, even the, uh, the education we got growing up in Grafton too about how the country was settled was really not a lot of truth-telling. No one talked about any massacres mm. or anything like that. So I think just, just truth-telling, it brings a lot of people together when the truth is told. And like those early diaries that people were keeping, they honestly cannot be altered. Mm. They are, you're reading straight from people saying, hey, we noticed these guys farming here mm. in regional Victoria. They had this native wheat mm. and it was all stacked up in little piles yep. to be harvested to make bread. Now, horticulture as well. You, you I mean, can't tell me that's not a country that wasn't yeah. actually, you know, had people on it. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting conversation, and it's, it does start at schools. I'd love for someone like Jesse to get the education thing through about incarceration is one thing, mm. but I think to keep those kids out of incarceration starts at school. Mm. And if you're made to feel like you're a part of the oldest living uh, Indigenous race in the world, mm. 
as a very young child, there's this a certain amount of pride that goes with that. Mm. And I think you'll carry that and you'll use that pride to do good with it, you know? Yeah. Do, do you feel like you're a, a leader for in, Indigenous kids and in the Indigenous community in a way? Um, I, mean, I know you, you mentor a, a few kids over the years. Yeah. Uh, how important is that to you? It's really important because, I mean, if you're going to be a role model for anything, mm. be one for where you're from. And I think that um, I, I grew up in a big extended Indigenous family. Uh, we all got on great. My first cousins were more like my brothers and sisters, mm. and it was a big extended family. Our grandparents were sort of like the hub of the family, mm. and that's how we grew up. It was, it was very caring. And I, I would love to see young people who go out on country who take their dirt bikes and fishing rods and stuff, feel the same connectivity to country as Indigenous people. Because mm. it's only then that they're going to start looking after the land. Yeah. And like I say, I was fishing a couple of weeks ago with a mate up at the top end of Morton Island, and he told me about a young non-Indigenous boy who had the, the sat-nav uh, coordinates of his favourite surf spot tattooed on his chest. Oh, that's cool. Now, I know it's, it might <laughs> seem... a futuristic tattoo right it, there. It really is. It's a sat-nav. And I said, <laughs> well, I said, that makes my argument even clearer because what it says is that that kid has connection to country. Yeah. And if you've got connection to wherever you're from, if you're born here, it really makes you feel like you love those mm. places. Mm. Indigenous people have felt that for 60,000 years. Yeah. And I think it's time that the, the younger generation, people feel it after 250. It's those, it's those kind of things that will, will, you know, bridge the gap between cultures and cultural differences and people understand each other. I mean, a lot, along the same lines as you see, uh, yeah, a lot of Aussie kids will have the uh, the Southern Cross tattooed yeah, on them. Yeah. I mean, that's the connection to the land because Big you look at the sky and we're living underneath the Southern Cross. What what do you what do you think are some of the answers and some of the ways that we can help these people understand each other a little bit better? Oh, look, I think that the the young blokes that are doing the Union Jack, uh, not the Union Jack, the uh, the the, uh, the stars so, up there, the Southern, Southern Cross. Cross yeah. It's really important that they are paying homage to where they're from because mm-hmm. it's the Southern Cross. You know, that's been up there guiding sailors for thousands of generations, mate. Mm. Mm. So it's not going anywhere mm. and it's part of who you are. Mm. And if we always realise now that we all have this thing as part of our fabric, mm. I think it's going to be really, really important to, to bring people together with that. You know, I, I, I really do think there's hope. Mm. I think that um, some of the older generation people still cannot be turned because they've grown up with fear. Mm. They've grown up with, uh, with hate. And if you grow up with that stuff, it's very hard to shift it, you know. But the mm. newer generation, we've got a chance. Yeah, it, it's that's all it comes down to, and they're the ones that'll save us, the newer generation. Yeah, and, and there's so many great Indigenous Australians that are out there doing brilliant work. From you know Kathy Freeman, Jonathan Thurston. Oh. Um, I mean, you're a you're a South Sydney fan, Rabbitohs fan. <laughs> I know that tragic. And uh, and you know they they do a, a lot of great work with uh, with in indigenous oh. communities and uh, you you might have seen uh, them uh, as a organisation do some great work. Is anyone else like South Sydney that that you've seen doing some good work in the uh, regional areas like that? Yeah, look, I even look at the local thing that we do here with Deadly, Deadly Choices. Um, mm. They've in, encouraged people like Steve Renouf and uh, Petro Sivanasiva to become involved to give the kids first of all a role model that they've grown up with and Scotty Prince and people like that. When they see the role models and people that have done it, hmm. they think, well, there's a chance for me. And what they encourage is regular health checks, healthy eating, hmm. stay off the soft drinks, you know, don't, don't get on the grog, yeah. um, drink lots of water. It's just simple messages and everything, but the, a lot of them do get through. Hmm. And those initiatives are really going to do a lot. I mean, hmm. even Jonathan Thurston's an ambassador for them as well. Hmm. And, you know, he, I, I flew on a plane of his... Uh, little airline that he's, he's paid into or whatever up there to, to Bamiga about a year and a half ago. He bought ago. an airline. Well, I don't know Invested whether he's bought it. it. He's the face of it anyway. Oh, that's cool. But it's it was good for me to get on and see a role model like that yeah. uh, with a public presence. Mm. And here I was flying to do some things for Australian Hearing, you know, mm. um, up in far, far north Queensland. We're right at the tip of Australia's mm. um, northern, northern, far north Queensland uh, coastline. And it was just incredible to to get on the plane and think, well, you know, if he's involved, I don't, I don't even care whether it's just his face or he's financially involved. It's a good thing. Yeah. He's aimed up. But seeing people like him talk to Indigenous kids and then turn around or sit up and take notice and go, wow, this guy's my idol. And yeah. he's saying, you know, stay off the sugary drinks and, you know, start eating properly because obviously, you know, an, an Anglo-Saxon body handles it differently to yeah. an, an, an Indigenous body. I mean, one of the disgusting things I, I, I know about uh, those those uh, regional areas, it's like cheaper to buy 
Coca-Cola than it is water. Oh, well, it very much is. And it's, it's a sad state of affairs out there. And there's a lot of uh, ex, ex, sort of exposing people to high prices and things mm. like that where they've got no choices. There's one shop yeah. in a small community and that's what you're left with. And I, as a young bloke, I toured right throughout all those Indigenous communities mm. and did, I reckon I've probably done maybe almost 90% of them mm. in a travelling touring band. And you get to understand what the situation's like when you're out there and you have to buy the food mm. yourself too. Mm. And it's expensive. Mm. I know it has to be shipped there, but then mm. there's this additional price that mm. you go, come on. What's it like when you go out on country to some of those uh, those distant communities and, and, and you show up and you're there to do a show? What's, what's the reaction and what are, what are some of the stories that they might tell you that it's like living out there? Look, it's incredible. I was 21 when I went on this first particular tour and I have to say it was one of the most eye-opening things I've done in my whole life, one of the most life-changing things I've done uh, other than becoming a dad and a husband and all that stuff. This, this was the top of the mountain. Uh, you'd arrive, it was really dusty, it was the reddest dirt you've ever seen in your life. The vehicles got you there, uh, you had to set up. Sometimes you had a, a quick bath under a tap somewhere if there weren't any amenities until you booked into them after the show and you had to rough it. We, we slept in swags. But the reaction from the kids was the thing that just won me over straight away. They'd all come out in a big mob around the car and they'd all put their little hands around your hands in the guitar cases and help you carry stuff to the stage. That's so cute. And it's like, man, this is just the best. And then you get to meet some of the elders and you get to meet people who are really important in their community mm. and they want to do a song with you that night and you're organising what you're going to do. The whole thing was an experience I'll never forget. I think I, I came home a grown man. I went out there as a boy and I was a big fish back home in Grafton, but I went out there and I was like a total guppy again. And it was so humbling but it was also really eye-opening for me to be out there amongst my own people mm. and be able to play music for them and to see how they live in a semi-traditional manner. Mm. I mean, you get root tails in the freezer at the shop. <laughs> wow. You know? So what did they feed you? Oh, we Eating ate all sorts tails? of stuff. We ate everything. Anything someone wanted to feed us, we ate. What was it like? It was incredible. Yeah. Made it. So kangaroo some, meat some is the bush, best. Bush I mean, but I've already, already eaten a bunch of bush tucker where yeah, I come from. Yeah, right. So I was used to eating bush food hmm. and kangaroo and um, you know we've been even eaten a kidney when we were kids my, my grandfather ate them all the time hmm. before they were endangered but um, th these are the sort of things that we, we got to experience I got to eat goanna hmm. and got to eat emu they had camel out there as well hmm. they made hmm. camel into corn meat hmm. they were very resourceful mob hmm. of people and I was not only learning a lot about music I was also hmm. learning a lot about myself as hmm. an indigenous person too hmm. and then a lot about our culture you know that that's a, such a, an amazing thing that you told me that, that that that's such a big part of your life where you, you became a man coming back from those areas and and I know that you know, Screen Queensland are, are trying to do a lot of uh, documentaries and and features that are shooting out in those those rural areas on country and uh, Queensland tourism are, mm. are really trying to push the indigenous tourism thing. Um, how do you how do you see um, the indigenous tourism thing working? Because if you can get your your average you know, banker off the street in Balimba. I said yeah, banker, banker, and, <laughs> and 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 take them out there and get even a, a little bit of that experience that you're talking about right now. We could just open up such an incredible amount of experiences for the world, and and for for people to be able to understand the oldest indigenous culture on the planet a little bit better. Look, I think if tourism are going to continue to support it and try and encourage people to get up there. What they need to do is, in the old days, we had things what we call song lines, and these songs connected you to different places. They need to connect these people walking around Balimba with the, the tourist guides that are doing the job up there in far north Queensland or western Queensland. Um, I did a, a couple of months up that way and walked through a cave one day, Mike, and I saw some paintings that were dated at thirty to 35,000 years old, carbon dated. And the bloke who was doing the tour with me, he said, see that little tiny handprint there in the corner? He said, that's mine from when I was four. He said, my grandmother spat the ochre on my hand Whoa. on this cave. And we're all looking around and we, I, I had to, I'm getting the shivers talking about it now because it just gave me an idea on the age of these things. Yeah. Then he said, that's my grandmother's hand next to mine. That's my grandfather's. He said, that's my great-grandfather's. It was like this family, no family tree, right? And it went right up the side of this cave. And he said, now, he said, this is my adult hand when I was in my 20s. And he said, and these are the ones of my children. And then as he walked out, he took us through this cave. And I'm, I, I'm just saying to the people with me, I'm, can you believe what we're seeing here today? The age of this artwork. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been to the Louvre. 
I've seen the Mona Lisa, mm-hmm. and and I've said to the guy, you know, we have artwork in Australia that's over forty thousand years old, <laughs> and he said, my friend, you can't expect to spit on a hand and call it art. And I said, oh, I said, what? oh, but there are there are lots of very intricate uh, X-ray paintings and stuff like that. So I sent him a bunch of them when I finished the tour. Oh, did you? And really? it blew him out. Yeah, blew I'll him bet. out. He said, I take it back, sir. I take it back. <laughs> so it was interesting to get the age difference when you're yeah. walking out there. And I walked out with the guide, and the guide goes, "Here's a stone that I've painted uh, last night for you." Um, he said, "You may not forget." You'll forget over the years, he said, what you saw, yeah. he said, and what you heard here. He said, but every time you look at this rock, I want you to remember how you felt. And as I walked out, I went, and I've got it now on my guitar pedal board. <laughs> the rock. <laughs> the rock travels with me yeah. everywhere. That's cool. And, and, and how I, does it make you feel? Exactly the same as when I was standing there in front of his grandmother's handprint. And I still get moved. And it's not even my country, but it is my country. It is. Because no matter where you go, you always feel connected, you know, mm. and that's what he wanted you to know was, and if, if someone from Bulimba could get that feeling and get that rock, I'm sure they get the rock on the end of each person got handed a rock. He knows how many's on his tour the next day and he will hand them and tell them that same message. And when I came home, I said to my kids, get a load of this. And they straight away went out into the garden, picked two little rocks up and did their own paintings for me. And that's how it made them feel, even to know the story. You see the rock on your kickboard, and now it's time to rock the That's crowd. time to rock. That's right. <laughs> I remember I was in the Kimberleys. You're a fisherman. You, you would love it up there. Love and it. It's, it's incredible fishing. It's like Jurassic <laughs> Park. If you ever get the chance to go there in, in Western Australia, there's like sharks and crocodiles everywhere and massive tides. And uh, we would get off the main boat and, and get in a, a dinghy and go up the creek and just just go uh, go go fishing and try and catch barra. Yeah. And we went as far as we could one day and we got out of the boat and we just walked up through these hills in uncharted territory. It's not yeah. even on, on maps, no. which is crazy. I thought surely someone would have mapped this, but no, in this day and age, it's not mapped properly. No. And it couldn't fit the Google car there, I guess. And, yeah. uh, and we, we climbed up to the top of this mountain one day. I was exhausted. It was so hot. There. It was like 40 degrees. And it was just uh, uh, this little cliff uh, that we were sitting under. And I just lied back under the rock. And I looked up and I saw this Aboriginal painting. Like, you know how big that space is. And to, oh. to, to, to I've got goosebumps now talking yeah, about this. Yeah. To, to walk as far as we did and go for, for hours. And to get to that, that part of the world, you've got to get like three planes and a chopper and a boat and another dinghy. And then it's walk, more than remote. Walk for four hours. <laughs> and to see that. Aboriginal painting and go, holy hell, that's, that's 20, 30,000 years old. And, uh, the, the tour guy that we were with is like, I've never seen that before. I've never been in this area before and, and never even seen that kind of a painting. It just, just blew me away. I think, I think that what that will, that is eventually what's going to bring people together mm. is the fact that, like I say, if you can get people off the street to go and experience something like that, walk as long as you can see something that was quite moving um, it's a feeling you'll never forget. You want to take your kids back there. Mm. I've taken my children up to the Kimberley. I've taken them back to Owen Pelly, where I've got good friends, have done since I was 21. Mm. And I met them on that first tour. They still invite me up. Mm. They still make sure I have my permit to get in. Yeah, they cool. still write on the permit, yes, Troy will be fishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you've got to get a lot of uh, permits to get in, in that part you do. of the world. You do. And, and, and you have to because, I mean, if you don't protect it now, people will leave rubbish and break bottles. And that's what happens to country that is just let alone. Mm. Get a permit and then you respect it when you get in there. Mm. What is your favourite part of Australia? Look, I I love far north Queensland, particularly for the culture. Um, I've done many, many runs up there as a musician, but I've I've done a few runs up there as just a person that wants to see and experience things as well, Not no gigs. And it's really won my heart all the way up to Bamiga. All the people have been so welcoming. But then there's uh, Owen Pelly that I've, I've been to, it's called Gumbalanya. Mm. And I've been there since I was 21. I've mm. gone back every 18 months. It, the people have been the same. Uh, the love is still very warm for when you sit up there and play guitar. I only do it solo. I don't mm. take a band. I normally take myself and my sound man. Took my daughter last year and she was able to see this country and meet the people that mm. I've been meeting. And so those, those places are special. I mean, my North Coast of New South Wales will always mm. be home mm. and it's always got the, the number one spot in my heart. But I've been privileged to travel. And I know that everyone's wanting to travel. And I urge anyone, if you're stuck in Queensland, travel in Queensland. Man, seriously, I went to Early Beach the other day because uh, the flights were cheap. And yeah. they, they, 
Uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk went up there, did a press conference. Everyone's going to come up here. We're, we're in Queensland. We're doing yeah. these local flights. I thought, yeah, it was 100 bucks. Why not? I couldn't believe how beautiful it was. You just jump on a boat, you know, 20 minutes, and you, you're out in the, the beautiful Whitsunday oh, Islands. And, incredible. And, and most incredible beaches that I've ever seen in my life. And they got some great restaurants there. And it, there was no one there. It was, it no. was empty, empty as well. So if anyone's thinking of, of having a holiday in Queensland, go, go and discover the places that – that they don't talk about, the places that don't get as much exposure, like, you know, Airlie Beach. Like, I was just Googling the other day, what islands can I holiday at in Queensland? And yeah. I found one called Wilson Island. Yeah. And, and it's I think it's off the coast of uh, Rockhampton. And it's, it's only got, like, you know, 10 apartments on it or something like that. But it's a set menu. You know, that it's all, all you can drink, all you can eat. It's like Sizzler, <laughs> upmarket Sizzler on an island. You know, I think you it's incredible. You We've just booked, Why not? A, booked a place called um, Lady Elliot. Yeah. And it's an eco-tourism place. Mm. Everything that you eat, uh, is, is they're conscious of even the, the rubbish you leave. They say only take from the smorgasbord what you can eat because mm. our scrap thing isn't real flash. We want to mm. make sure that uh, they, they make, they've got these solar cells up there that make water. So they're all self-sufficient. Yeah, wow. And the, the lagoon there is like something I've never seen in my life. And Lady, we've booked our trip now for Christmas time. We're Where's spend Lady Elliot? It's just off Bundaberg, Burnett, yeah, right. heads up that way. It's... um. It's got manta rays like you've never seen before, like a dinner table. Mm. And there's turtles that come up and almost rub their shell on you. <laughs> That's how friendly they are. That's You're not cool. to touch them and all that, but they want to touch you. Yeah. And it's incredible. That's and the silver lining to this crazy COVID world that we're living sure in at the moment. Is. Because people are discovering how amazing it is here in Australia and especially Queensland. Because as Aussies, we, we love to travel and yeah. you know love to get on a plane and go and visit different parts of the world because we're all sort of, a lot of us are from different parts of the world. Yes. And, I mean, I've I've got Irish and Welsh and and uh, you know German in me, so you want to go and see those parts of the world. But I, I, I kind of overlooked a, a lot of local things that I, I wish I had. So I still haven't seen Ayers Rock, which is well, crazy. I'm still going to get out there and have a look at that. Well, the good thing is now that we can't travel overseas, there's a good opportunity now to discover your own state. Mm. And we've done it for years because as a travelling musician, you get to see this stuff and you're paid to do it. Mm. You feel like a paid tourist. But now there's a time mm. to have a look at these corners. Go out and if you've got kids that are right into Jurassic Park, You've got to go to Hewenden. Mm. You've got to get out there to, to Winton and all those places mm. and do the dinosaur trail. And it will really open your eyes as to what we have. I mean, you can do it by road. It's so beautiful by road. Um, you can fly in if you're a sook, but get in a car and go for a drive. The roads are great. Explore Queensland. Do it. Get out there. It's amazing. Hey, mate, uh, when, it, when it does open up. Yep. Any plans for world domination? I know Sony are getting right behind you. Was that was that a special detail in the contract? You know, I want to I want to take over in the US. This is my big chance. I want to want to travel through Europe more. Or is it all more of an Australian focused relaunch for you? No, it's, it starts as an Australian focused relaunch, and I think it'll it'll also because this this record's very Americana. Mm. Uh, I want to get over and hopefully do the Americana Festival over there in Nashville, which happens as well. It's got some incredible artists, incredible music. And it's sort of taken the music back to the days of Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson. Mm. And that's that's the love of like Chris Stapleton and people like that have reinvented American music. So that's that's what I want to go over there and have a look at and be inspired by too. You got a bit of a following over there? Oh, they've got a small following. I wouldn't say a big one, mm. but I've done some touring with Tommy Emmanuel over there over mm. a couple of years and got to see a lot of the place. Dude, Tommy's incredible. He's, he's oh. re released a video just the other day playing, I saw online, and like, man, that guy has still got it. He's, he's, he's like my guitar hero player. and many people's guitar heroes, you know. <laughs> but Tommy showed me the, a bunch of America, and I was very, very privileged to actually tour with him and open some shows. That's so cool. Oh. Um, what about Keith Urban? You know, Keith, maybe take you on a tour over there, give you a support act? I've, I've been on a couple of sh shows with Keith and had a look at what he does and because he invited me when I was living there in 2010. He said, come out on the bus and have a squeeze, you know. Mm. And I said, no worries. So we ended up going to some of these county fairs and they're like the Ecker times mm. 10. Mm. And I've never <laughs> seen the amount of people going crazy for country music at yeah. a, a town fair. And it might have been Indianapolis yeah. or it might have been somewhere he took me. I forget where it was now, yeah. but it's a different world. Mm. What, what Keith does is like a whole different world. And I was just privileged to be able to jump on the bus mm. and spend a few days running to these different shows and having a look and sleeping on the bus. Yeah. It was bizarre. A tour bus. Yeah. That must be the most amazing hotel on wheels ever. Right down to you know, one of his crew saying, sleep with your legs towards the front of the, the thing because if it crashes, the first thing to hit is going to be your head. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's an old bus rule apparently, yeah. you know, that's – Really incredible to learn all that stuff, you know? That makes sense. Does yeah. it make you want to get a tour bus here and travel around in it? Definitely or? not. I'm going to stick with flying and just um, stick with the old Kia Carnivals. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, that, that'll do. They got all the room you need. I'll throw, throw it all in the EH. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, you've, been in, it. you've been to Nashville a few times, I guess. It, yeah. it, it must. Um, do you feel intimidated walking down the street and you see all these people just busking? You go, holy shit, these people are incredible. Oh, some of them are incredible, yeah. but no, I've always felt inspired there because a lot of the music I listened to as a kid comes from Nashville and comes from around LA, Bakersfield. Uh, I always feel really inspired. I get in there, I go straight to the Hall of Fame. I do a run through it, cost you about 12 bucks, and you see all the things that inspired you in the first place, mm. and then you go and write some songs that week. Yeah. You know? Or you sit up late and, at the, and watch some trashy TV. You played there, like at the Grand yeah. Old Opry or anywhere like that? Played there a few times. Yeah, awesome. And, and, what, and I still get nervous thinking about playing there. Yeah. And it's, it's the hallowed ground, you know, and um, they've got some really good friends over there and who treat us with the utmost respect, even mm. though we're not known names in mm. America to get on the Opry and to get people to get you backstage and get you to do, run, do your run-through with them and rehearse with the band. Man, I was like a kid in a lolly shop. Do you still get nervous? Oh, I still forget. I, of playing? I forgot the lyrics to the, the first line up until I had to sing it at the Opry. I'm just waiting for the band <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, it's coming. It's coming, sure, sure. It's going to be here sooner or later. And, and the lights are in your eyes. Oh, and the place no. is chock-a-block. And I'm thinking, please, anyone, just help me. <laughs> And then it just it came to Being me. a singer, you can just go, and. Yeah, that's right. Come on, everybody. Yeah, well, not you when you're in America. It. I don't. Not when you're in America. <laughs> I had the biggest senior moment, and I thought, well, it's either going to make me fall completely on my ass, or we're going to just get through it. And I got, uh, the, the words came to me, uh, and then I looked around at the band and thought, wow, I'm on the Grand Ole Opry, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, ever, you ever just make up the words and just go, oh, oh, yeah. I'm just going to make it up now because I can't remember I can, I can speak some other language if I have to. Yeah. yeah. I just sung that part in Aboriginal. That's I could, I could hey, probably say that. I could probably say that. But the, the good thing is, to me, you, your crowd's pretty forgiving. Yeah. You know, we've got great crowds. Well, you've got a lot of songs, man. Yeah. Your brain's only there. so big. Oh, look. And, and so much stuff Even the first there. two shows we did at the Trifford, I had doubts whether I'd remember all the tunes. Yeah. So I had to purposely sit down in my studio at home, run the songs again mm. to make sure I remembered them, you know. Hey, the Triff, it's an awesome venue. Oh, my God. And uh, I guess you're probably going to be playing some more gigs in Queensland since you're not leaving. Yeah. Any announced? Any coming up? Not yet, but we're looking at some, some ones up in far north Queensland. I want to go on that same tour where the guy gave me The Rock. I want to do that again. I want yeah. to go and see him and tell him what The Rock's done or meant for me. Wow, that's and cool. And so I'm going to try and do some gigs up around Cooktown mm. and uh, up around Cairns. We'll probably do it by road, but I want to pick up an Indigenous band when I get up there and do the, sh the shows with them that they're doing. Yeah, wow. So, that sounds like a good documentary. You could call it The Rock. Oh, maybe. who knows? Who knows? Following you around Australia. It's going to be incredible fun. We've, we're already getting the actual gigs together, and we're talking um, about how we logistically do it, and it's going to be easy. It's just me and electric and acoustic guitar and the will to travel. Yeah, that must be so much easier for you not having to, to cart around a band. I remember John Williamson once said to me, because I, I was lucky enough to travel to the Solomon Islands with him to, to do some shows for, for the troops and and the uh, the federal police who are doing some great work up there, and and he said, mate, if you ever going to be in a band, and uh, you know, don't do it. Just just have your your kick pedal and your guitar. It's too much to worry about. They all yeah. want too much money. Is it well, is I, it difficult to it, deal with a band? It, it can be. I think it depends on you know the sort of music you want to make. Mm. And I toured all last year by myself mm. with just an acoustic guitar with my daughter doing the opening spot, and she wanted to see Australia, and I said I can probably show you a fair bit of it. That's pretty so, cool. So we did eighty something shows through the whole year last year. And, yeah, look, I mean, I miss the band when I'm not, not playing with them because I've got some really good friends in my bands. But the solo thing is really um, humbling and it's a different connection to an audience when you're playing by yourself because the only thing between you and them is that piece of wood and strings, you know. Mm. Uh, when it's a band, you've got drums and bass and it's a bit of a noise. You've mm. got a buffer, but there's no buffer. Hmm. There's, there's no filter between you and the audience other than the song. Have you ever looked at any other instruments? Like, I guess, you know, the, the, the kick pedal and harmonica or maybe playing a bit of didgeridoo? Oh, look, I play didge uh, on a couple of the songs in the show and I get the people to clap while I'm playing it and that's always fun. It's a, it's a good sort of a, a way to pay homage to, you know, my, my ancestors. Hmm. Wherever we are on this country, I always try and remember where I'm walking. But I've been taking up drums and bass during these COVID times because I've been you know, recording at home, first time ever, just making up band tracks. And it's rough, mm. but it's honest. 
and it's taught me a lot more about the respect you have for the players who actually play these things well. Mm. So, you know, that's, that's got me out of a few dark spots too, Mike. Mm. So you played with a few people over the years. Uh, I was reading something the other day that uh, I think the drummer from DZ, ZZ Top, was it someone Morrow? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, Greg. That you had to sign something in the contract that said you wouldn't say that he ever played with ZZ Top. No. What was yeah. that? But we well, just did. Oops. Uh, no, well, well that's, that was the talk um, about him. But, um, you know, to be able to go on the road, when I first signed with Sony and Dennis Hanlon, called me personally and said, listen, uh, we've got a tour coming up. It's with the Highwaymen. Do you want to do it? Yeah, awesome. It's five shows, five capital cities. And I said, you're talking about Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings <laughs> and Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson? <laughs> uh, yes, I will, I will go on that. And then he rings me back. Dennis rings back. And it was almost like it was a joke because he rang back and said, oh, there's been a change. Oh. And I went, no, what's going on? Keith Urban. Yeah, no, no, no. He said, the shows have all sold out. Now it's 10 shows. Oh. <laughs> so I was punching the air like we just won a lotto. Oh, that's good. And it, it was an incredible experience. Same with Merle Haggard. I toured mm. with Merle Haggard. Who ever thought putting a vinyl record on as a kid hmm. that you would get to meet these people and shake yeah. their hand? That's dreams, mate. That's you know? incredible. And I say to kids who are, are just starting out, just don't forget to dream. Hmm. I know it's a drag playing covers and everyone else's songs and you, you're stuck in some shitty bar. That's life. Hmm. You know, pay your dues the right way. Hmm. There's no shortcuts. Hmm. There really isn't any shortcuts. I know you can go on The Voice and stuff and hmm. you can do some big brown note, but you but know, I mean, that's you not see gonna... a lot of people on The Voice and, and they're famous for a minute and then they're gone. I know. And they're, they're on a contract to one of the record labels and the TV network and the production company where they're not allowed to do anything. And if, if anything, they have their moment of fame, then it sort of, it sort of slows their career, I think, in it, a lot it, of cases. It can fizzle out pretty quick. And I think that the, the real people that are hanging around, I always think to myself, well, I use people like Don Walker or, or Jimmy Barnes or uh, Paul Kelly as my yardstick. Mm. If you get offered a show, uh, like The Masked Singer or whatever, yeah. I say, would Paul Kelly do it? Yeah. Probably not. Exactly. It's, so, all, it's all about your brand. It is. And to me, you know, I, I did get asked to do it, and I I just, just politely said no because, mm. you know, I'd rather you write songs. You got asked to do The Masked Singer. I did. <laughs> You'd think that they would go, I don't think he'll say yes. Oh, no, well, they probably thought I would because, yeah. you know, with, with COVID and all that stuff, I mean, mm. hey, it's it's probably cash and it's probably quick yeah. and it's you can sing in a mask. Not for me. I mean, Laurel loves it. Mm. Oh, yeah, she could do it. <laughs> oh, could she? Could, uh, She'd love yeah, it. She'd love it. But she loves, she loves, that, she loves that TV. Of, she loves that TV. <laughs> but, I, but I sort of, you know, am happy uh, to be able to be creative mm. and to get out of this hole the way every other muso is, and that's just... um. We'll just wait for things to get better and do as much as we can. Yeah, great time to write some songs and, Ooh, yeah. and prepare for the next album. You don't have a title for it or anything yet? Or Nothing yet. And I, I guess I, that'll come from one of the one of the songs. But you, you've got these songs that are burning a hole in your guitar. They're more than ready. I have to, I'm going to probably call my producer today and say, I'm still thinking of you. I know you're in a hot spot in Sydney mm. and we can't do anything, but I, I still, it is at the forefront of my mind. Mm. Other than doing the laundry and other than unpacking <laughs> the dishwasher, they're my life goals yeah, for the weeks yeah. by weeks, but you know I still want to make a record. How do you keep that excitement and that energy going for all these songs that you've written when you can't get into the studio to record them straight away? Don't listen to them too much. Uh, okay. Because they won't get old. So you, so you've got to sort of keep the excitement about them, but just don't work on them. They're ready. Yeah. Just, just, oh, look, just leave them there. They're, they're in the oven and they've cooked. I'm just yeah. going to... You know, I'm watching a lot of TV. I, I love crime docos and stuff. Oh, who do you watch? Oh, look, I like the Forensic Files and... Uh, Really love this this new one that I found called Autopsy. Oh, yeah. On um, and it's not actual cutting people up. It it really is how cases are solved through um through science, you know. Mm. And it really is an eye opener to see how people find the truth somehow. And and then I watched you know Narcos and and all the things that I really was into. I love I love all that South American crimey stuff. And then a lot of songs came from that too. Oh. So there's some there's some quite criminal aspect songs. On this particular project, I think gonna, people are going to find pretty interesting. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, you know, they're they're a bit dirtier and a bit more crime orientated than what they've probably ever heard from me. Yeah. But I think it's good to change your mind. And if you've watched the Pablo Escobar, this Narcos version of, of that, you, you get to understand how these people work and they, how they think on the outside. And not that you're involved in it, mm. but I think it's really quite a fascinating world. Yeah, so like a, a, a crime song about a criminal or a crime that was committed. I've just or... finished one about a, a, a boy-girl crime couple the other day. And Bonnie finished, and Clyde sort of that thing. That sort of thing. And, you know, she double-crosses him and takes off and he's left bleeding in a room somewhere looking through the curtain. It, it was like quite dramatic. Is that after watching Narcos? Yeah. I'm going to write about that. Yeah, I, I looked <laughs> so at her cool. I thought to myself, wow, I like this. 
it's just it's just another take on life that we sometimes forget. It's seedy and it's awful, mm. but it can be. It has a fascination about it as well. Who'd have thought Netflix would uh, motivate you to write a song <laughs> about Narcos? Dennis Handler's going to watch this and go, drop him. Get rid of him now. He's writing all about the wrong things. Um, I, I think it's just great to expand your mind yeah. into all these different things as well when you're writing songs. And when you've got time to write, hmm. the luxury is all yours. Yeah. You can take it anywhere you want. I've got songs written about, oh, I just did Who Do You Think You Are? and went back to Malta. I've got songs written about the river that we got to visit with one of my really, really distant Indigenous ancestors, and he was a fisherman, you know? So, hey, there's plenty of song material around if you want to look. It's all there. Yes. I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait to record it. <laughs> Troy Casadaly, thank you so much for being on the mic. Mike, it's better than seeing you at Woolies. It is. <laughs> That's what happened. Like, I, I, I hit up Roxy a couple of times. Hey, Roxy, he only lives a few streets away. Surely I can have him for an hour to interview him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very busy. He's got a new album. You deal with Sony. See what we can do. A couple other emails. And I saw you in the street. Hey, what's going on? I want to get an interview. Yeah, yeah, talk to Roxy. And then I saw him in the supermarket. Come on, man. What's going on? Yeah. I'll take yeah. your eggs off you unless That's you come right. and do my interview. That's right. <laughs> so Woolies sorted him out. Woolies was the leveller. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good to see you. And it's just great to know you're still around the area, mate. You know? Yeah, man. I love it here. It, it, it is it's such, a, such a cool place to live, Balimba and, and Hawthorne. It's like a, like a little island. The, the river runs around it and you Oxford Street. You've got the cinemas and the restaurants down there. And a lot of people Hawthorne's... come here just to go and walk the street and mm. go to one of the restaurants. You know, there's, there's all, all sorts of options. Laurel grew up here, mm. so she's a bit sort of spoilt for choice. But she remembers when the Balmoral was Balmungrel. Balmung, oh, the pub. That <laughs> yeah. pub was shocking. Oh, mate, I wouldn't I... go in there on a Friday night. I went there in my 20s and I got scared. You Pretty know, full on. Yeah. But we've got breweries here now as well. I know, that, that mini brewery. Good yeah, coffee Rebel. too. Rebel's good. What's your favourite coffee in Berlin? Oh, look, I like Park Bench Espresso. Little Mitchie that makes the uh, the coffees down there is really, oh, yeah, really yeah, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, you yeah. posted that on your Instagram the I other day. I love it. I sit there sometimes and just look at that park and think, mm. I remember my kids running around there mm. and they were like two and four. And now I get to sit and have a look at it with my dog and my 19-year-old daughter, you know, just going for a walk. Have you been to Fiddle Leaf at the back of the park? Yes, it's good. Yeah, that's a great little cafe. And, and we had uh, Bellissimo coffee this morning. This is such an in-story sort of it thing. Is, so it if is. you're watching this and you're not from Brisbane. Or but if you are Brisbane-based, yeah, though. You'd love this. Get on over see, to this, Belimba. This could be a whole segment in itself just talking about <laughs> Belimba and Hawthorne. We'll post it on the Belimba Hawthorne community group. Uh, yeah. Hawthorne Park, hey? How about that? On the Hawthorne Park group. There's a few of those little groups there. Have you joined those? Like the little neighbourhood watch groups oh, and they're of, online. I'm a, I'm a bit afraid to join Billy's them. lost his dog. Here's yeah. a picture of it and all that. I almost ran over a dog the other day and someone's taken it. And the next thing you know, on Facebook it came up. You know, someone almost ran over this dog and I've saved it. And I was like, that was me. Oh, <laughs> but I gave the guy the, the lead from my dog to say, because he was going to take it to the vet. Yeah. Anyway, it's a it's a it's a cool place to live, and uh, it feels so many, like a small town, Mike. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It does, it does. Have it you been it. to the new um, brewery underneath the uh, the the Gateway Bridge? No. Yeah, because you don't drink, do you? Well, look, you gave I, it up I, a long time ago. I'm on and off. Yeah. Sometimes I sort of go on the sabbatical and think mm. I'm going to do it. Well, Other mm. times I fall off the wagon. When my son comes over with a mm. with a couple of beers, sometimes I'll sit and have one with him. Because he's a good kid, and, mm. and if that's how he wants to debrief, I'll be there with him. Well, the, the older I get, uh, the longer my hangovers last. So I, oh. I don't, I don't drink as much as I used to. Like you know, in my, in my teens, twenties, thirties, you know, in, and going through the big brother years, and we'd we'd go out there oh. the, the after parties, and oh, someone's buying me shots, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I just can't do that anymore. But there, there's a place uh, called Brewdog underneath the, uh, the 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 Gateway Bridge, and I'll uh, go and check it out. It is amazing. It, it's uh, a Scottish brewery. And I think there's about 20 of them around the world. And the Queensland government put about 5 million bucks into it. And they've, they've wow. spent like $20 million on this building. Gee. It's right there on the river. And uh, rumour is it's going to be the next uh, stop on the, the City Cat stop after the Eat Street Markets. Right, eh? And then there's talk of it going up a bit further. And you'll be able to get a City Cat all the way to the airport and a little train across there. But that's How cool is that? obviously a long way down the track. But, but Brisbane's come s such a, a long way over the years since I've, since I've lived here. So many great restaurants and bars and... And things to do here. I know people in Sydney and Melbourne go, yeah, yeah, whatever. Brisbane, who gives a shit? But sorry, we're better than you now. Oh, and, no, it's growing up. It used to be, you know, they used to call it a big, small town yeah. and, and all that stuff. But I've only been up here maybe 30 something odd years because I, I remember moving in my early 20s up to Maryborough, hmm. lived there, then down here when I met Laurel. And getting married and settling down here in Brizzy was the best thing that ever happened hmm. to me. It was just a wonderful place to raise kids, hmm. in particular this, this area here. Because the kids got a chance to go to a nice little public school 
And, you know, Belimba State School was fantastic. Mm. Got a great education. Shout out to the Belimba State School. Yeah. No, they're always doing a great job. But I, I still love walking my dog. When I get home from here, I'll get him EH, drop the car back, walk the dog, go down to the, get a coffee somewhere. And it's just, you know, it's a nice life. Just the way he talks, it's it's like he's writing a song. Like I'm just thinking, every, every second line he says that could be a song. Yep, walking the dog. That's that's going to be oh, one of his songs. The dog, that's the right. EH Holden. He's talking about it. that's a song that's coming. There's <laughs> probably already a song that I've missed about the EH. Well, you know that EH sparked joy in me the other day, as you would have seen on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Just dropping the oil out of it. Any mechanics, the oil. Any, song. any mechanics watching will know the joy of spending eighty bucks on getting a car to run nice. Now, I won't adjust brakes. That's one thing I don't touch. Laurel's insisted on that. And she always insists I've got car jacks when I've jacked it up so it doesn't fall on me and crush me bloody chest. So there's all good. those rules That's that go with idea. servicing the car. Very good idea. You want to be able to actually sing and not be dead. Just just be under the thumb, not under the car. <laughs> That's right. Troy Casadale, thank you so much for being on the show, mate. It's great to see you, You're brother. a true Australian legend. <laughs> and uh, I, now I know that you're just around the corner and you're in Woolworths every second day. I might get you back here again real soon. Why not? Good on you, mate. Let's bring the guitar down next Good time. luck with the new album and... <laughs> Good on you, Sony, for picking him up again. Awesome. Jeez, that felt like Countdown. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.